let's do a clap just so I have this to throw right. off. One, two, three. I don't know. We, we missed it last week and, and I managed, but that sounded I really mean, good this time. I thought it was on. <laughs> but I always think it was on when it's so far left field. <laughs> I wonder if, because I always leave this in on the podcast, so I wonder if anybody like missed it last week. Like, oh, they didn't clap. I mean, I missed it and you missed it, but <laughs> we're impartial. But the sheer terror that ran through my body like a chill when after we turned off the recording and I said, we didn't clap. How am I going to line this shit up? Oh, no. <laughs> Which really led to me delaying doing it for several days because I just didn't even want to go in. And then we had a power loss here from a storm, which shut everything down the computer and the file wasn't edited or saved. And I nearly died. That's a yikes. The good thing about the Max, if you people out there who we haven't introduced ourselves yet to, are on the PCs. I don't know if they do it or not, but this Mac will give me a recovery, and it popped everything right back up where it was, and whew, I was I was sweating there for a little <laughs> bit. So, All right. Oh, hey, Beck. Um, we're back. Hey, hey. <laughs> Get a little of our pre-show chatter in there for everybody. Um, we're back, and I'm Connie, in case you don't know that. This has been, has this been the longest January in recorded time, Becca? I swear it is. I keep thinking it's already February. In fact, it feels more like March. But also, you know, it, the the beginning of 2020 is actually just all of 2020, it seems. Yeah, it's just, I thought, you know, I had such high hopes <laughs> at the end of 2019. I was like, okay, it's New Year, reset, things are going to, it can't be worse than <laughs> 2019 was. Which we thought 2019 couldn't be worse than 2018, 17, 16. You know, it's just, it's all been one cram-packed accordion of shit just playing back and forth all these past few years but for some reason out of character for me I was very positive at the end of 2019 looking forward to 2020 I think we all were like we were all just like we have been thrown through the ringer like year and year and year in a row like 2020's got to be better it's got like there's got to be some kind of hope and then now we're a month in and it feels like we've been here for an eternity and there are many reasons why yeah, yeah. I got there for a little while into, you know, because I work from home, so watching the, very intently watching the impeachment stuff in the house. Mm -hmm. uh, have my coffee and my breakfast and watch that and, and kind of get a bearing and go on. And, and then it just got to be too much. I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't stay with that because it seems like wheels were spinning and then there would be great breaking new news that you think would be like the news that would start things rolling in the right direction for 2020. And it's just, it just doesn't fucking matter nothing matters anymore <laughs> it just feels like they're sitting in the same spot rotating over and over like they're stuck in a mud puddle like i've i tried watching the impeachment at the beginning couldn't do it like i just mm -hmm. it got to me to the point where i was like they're they're saying things but not doing anything yeah and then it's just we finally got like a ruling and now it's just waiting on the actual shit to happen and so mm -hmm. i really can't sit and try to pay attention to that anymore no, as of today, because um, I'm not sure, not sure exactly when we'll get this one out, but as of today, it seems like that he will be acquitted due to a lack of votes for um, hearing testimony by witnesses. And, I mean, silly old me, I thought a trial means you could get some witnesses and some people uh -huh. that were actually there for things you might want to... You might want to hear about, hear about that, you know, but I guess we don't. So I don't want to talk any more about it. I don't want to dwell about it. I'm just... You know, they do that like 
let go, let God thing or whatever. But that's certainly not me. I don't believe that. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's just let it go. I can't, I can't muck around in this mire of this mud pit anymore. I feel like we're living in that street on Deadwood where it's just the muck, they mm. call it. And everybody's like, look out for the muck. You don't want to go in the muck, you know. Yeah. And then when people did go in, it was the dirtiest, bloodiest, most violent <laughs> fight I've ever seen on TV. Uh, there's just too much other stuff going on to be drugged down into this at this moment. Like, right. there are good things happening. There are tragedies happening. But there's just so much happening all at the same time, which is why it's felt like such a long month. So right. I think that maybe we don't need to focus on necessarily the big bad that's happening. We could focus on the little goods and little bads back and forth because, you know, those might end up being the big good things at this point. Right, right. And speaking of, like, good things and tragedies altogether, let's start off with the Grammys, which just happened. Because <laughs> <laughs> there were good, positive things, and there were some tragedies on there. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, of course, the obvious big tragedy is that, you know, that happened the, the Grammys were happening in Los Angeles in the Staples Center, which was the home of Kobe Bryant and mm -hmm. when he played with the Lakers. And so that kind of cast a, uh, what do they say, cast a pall? Is that what it's called when there's something over something? I don't something? know. That's a cool word. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell that, but maybe I hope it's P-A-U-L. <laughs> That's like, what I was thinking. I was thinking it's just, you know, like a guy's name, Paul. <laughs> throws a McCartney over everything and then just fucks it up. <laughs> I have some friends who were actually at the awards show because they were, they and their family members were nominated and, and they were sending me texts saying, man, walked in here dead silent in this huge arena. Like everybody was just like, you know, so sad and like looking for anything to lighten things up. And then they start the show off with, you know, uh, which it I, I understand why they need to like Alicia Keys, like do a, a little thing about the, the, tragedy of that day with Kobe Bryant mm. and you know but it, boy it was just like I felt like because then she came out after that like when it was going downhill and she got on the piano trying to do like this little like jazz it up like make everybody feel mm. better thing and it was just going nowhere and I looked at Stacy and I was like this is awkward yeah, <laughs> yeah. that sets it, a really solemn tone for the whole award show too like that's how it started I myself didn't really watch it I just yeah. caught the news but that's that sounds like it was setting the whole thing in a very solemn tone. Well, they brought out Boys to Men or the remainder of Boys Ugh. to Men to sing that with Alicia Keys that I think it's that end of the road song maybe. Okay. I don't I don't know what producer thought that was a good idea to get the tone up. <laughs> but it didn't work. That doesn't seem like like a pump up your body jam. Like that's not like a jam <laughs> session that that just no. seems sad. So they scrambled a little bit at there there at the beginning, but then gay shit started happening. So you know that always just brings <laughs> brings things up a notch. Pretty close to the beginning of the show, and like so, you didn't watch it, but maybe you saw something from this. Tyler, the creator, mm -hmm. um, performed in what was at the same time of being like really odd and weird and strange, like compelling to the point of where I was like hey I think I'm into this you know he like did, <laughs> yeah. did like a crazy thing with fire and this wig and outfit and these dancers and um and Stacy who normally will be like is this even music what is this you know <laughs> like about odd performances because she does not pay attention to current music trends whatsoever right yeah she was like I think I'm feeling this and I was like oh okay this is good so we had a lot of queer people nominated a lot of queer people win because tyler creator won for best rap album so i thought that was pretty cool that's pretty cool i mean w the thing i know tyler the creator from is like middle school like he was like 
the different new rapper guy when I was in middle school that like all of my edgy friends liked. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, he makes, he made really cool music videos. Like mm-hmm. there were stories and that's why I liked him. I didn't really care about the music as much. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool thing that now he's starting to get recognition for multiple things that he does. Yeah, my knowledge of rap is is of current rap or the last little bit rap is is really low. I know what I, when I like something that I when I hear it, if I like it, I like it. My rap is more like my growing up time, eighties and and nineties mm-hmm. and those things. Um, but I kind of dug this. Um, also, we had kind of in the rap, I guess, uh, range, Little Nas X, you know, <laughs> Old Town Road fame. <laughs> which uh, I do have an interesting story is that we went to uh, the Ryman a couple weeks ago to see Tanya Tucker and she brought out a bunch of friends to play. Like that's, that's the good thing about Nashville shows and especially the Ryman is if somebody plays generally somebody's in town and they're going to come out and play. So towards the end of the show, Billy Ray Cyrus comes out and rather than sing a Tanya song, which is what everyone else does, they kicked, they did achy breaky heart, which was his song, you know, mm-hmm. his big old song. And then they started into Old Town Road. Stacy, of course, didn't recognize it, but everybody starts to go crazy. She was like, what's happening right now? What's happening? And I was like, he's going to play Old Town Road with Tanya Tucker. She goes, I have never heard this song. I've managed to escape it. And now I'm, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to have to hear it. I said, but look, 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 you're hearing it in the best possible way for the first time. You're hearing it by the person who did it at yeah. the Ryman with Tanya Tucker. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. So she popped uh-huh. her Old Town Road cherry, like with Billy Ray in person. <laughs> So I was like, you, you, you know, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good story. That'll See, be a good story. Someday. I've never really been into Billy Ray. Um, I do know. <laughs> here's a fun fact: we are related. Uh, I am cousins with Billy Ray Cyrus and Miley Cyrus. And all why are them. you just now telling They're me this? They're my aunt Amy Cyrus. Why are you just now telling me this? I mean, I didn't even think about it until you just brought him up. I don't think about Billy Ray on the daily. Like it's just not part of my life. But yeah, no, I I have a relation to the Hannah Montana. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, is it though? Because we've got the achy breaky heart singer, and like part of me thinks about like my mom's eighties hair, and like it's just oh god, that's just where I go. Like I go into this like zone of like mullets when I think about Billy Ray Cyrus. Well, I really like Miley. She had that period there with Mm -hmm. the tongue out and the weird outfits and the big stuffed animals on stage and the rubbing up against Robin Thicke on the MTV Awards, which seemed like it was, you know, just like maybe going a little buck wild. Well, it was the breaking out of the Disney mold. She needed to hit that point to set like a firm period in the middle of her life sentence. Yeah, it wasn't just a breakout. It was like a thermonuclear meltdown (laughs) of a breakout. It was like a Chernobyl. I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, but despite all that other stuff, the music is solid. I mean, I will go down. I don't have guilty pleasures. I only have pleasures. And she is a fucking phenomenal singer, Mm -hmm. picks really good songs, writes pretty good songs. All, you know, this, that thing she did with Mark Ronson last year. um, God, I can't remember. Nothing Breaks Like a Heart. Did you hear that song? Yes. That's a banger. That is a banger. And if you want a a banger, she's going to bring them. I mean, she has a album titled Bangers. Banger. Just saying. Yeah. But, like, I think that also it was really cool seeing her in Black Mirror this past year. And that, I don't know if you watched that episode. I did. We but talked that about that it. was her story that she helped write, that that's how she felt she'd been treated her whole life. And she was honest about all of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool and takes a lot. And that's something that we need to see more in 
popular culture. Mm-hmm. Which brings us again back to the Grammys of seeing things in popular culture we need to see. I hope that, like, the Old Town Road, which, you know, I, I don't have a super opinion either way about it. It's catchy as shit. If you listen to it, you're going to start humming and singing along. It's that's just it's a good pop song. Um, but the Billy Ray and Lil Nas X thing and then Lil Nas X to come out of the closet when he's on top was cool. Point. You know, it's like, come out on top, come out when you're on top and see if you can stay there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he has. And so I think that shows some progress. They did a crazy performance of that song on the awards, which was pretty much fire. They did like a rotating stage thing where he walked through these different scenes and all these different guest people and cool. stuff on there. So that was that was pretty cool. And he was dressed in the all hot pink, I think maybe Versace on the red carpet, like a hot pink cowboy outfit. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> it looked like a dog harness with a fur coat to me. That's where I went when I saw it, and I was confused. But also, like, living for it. Yeah, that description probably is a good selling point for that to the gay community. <laughs> Dog harness, fur collar. Yeah, so they did good. <laughs> Let's see, a couple other queer things from there is, you know, our our most loved uh, lady singer, Brandy Carlisle, of course, mm-hmm. was on there, performed with Tanya Tucker. She and uh, our good friend Shooter Jennings produced uh, Tanya's record. And um, Tanya, who's 61, been nominated 14 times, been performing for like 50 years, never, something like that, almost 50, never won a Grammy. And so she finally won two Grammys this year That's for that awesome. record. Yeah. And so then, of course, Brandy got, she helped write the song and, and produced it co-produced the record so she won they gave a great performance they cut them short though because they wanted them to hand out the comedy like tanya's song is called bring my flowers now which is about hey if you like me bring the flowers now before i'm dead i don't want this stuff after i'm dead it'll do none of us any Mm -hmm. good kind of thing like if you love somebody tell them you love them because you don't know when's cut short which kind of fit in with the theme of the show being the kobe bryant Mm -hmm. you know tragedy of that day but then they like just they sang less than half of the song and they cut it off so that they could stand up and, and, tr- and segue into the comedy pr- album. That's award. something that people have been complaining a lot about the last couple of years with the Grammys. They are cutting out more and more. They're cutting out performances. They're cutting out mm-hmm. different topics just mm-hmm. to put more filler in there. That's yeah. There's a, been a big uprising about like alt-rock uh, categories. <laughs> They're cut pretty much all the way down to nothing. And that kind of sucks. Yeah, they don't give out the country awards really for Mm -hmm. the most part on the uh, program the televised program i watched the the non-televised by streaming which was kind of cool that the rock performances metal like i don't even know what they can do to fix the grammys that's a bigger topic than we can talk about but i just fluffy grammys yeah but i just thought it was whoever again the the producer whoever said let's sing this song about dying and then let's let them hand out the comedy record (laughs) (laughs) who thought that was a good idea (laughs) I don't know, but you know what? Billy Porter could close all of that out. He just had to shut his little curtains, and he oh, yep. didn't have to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah the red uh, the red carpet stuff with when he popped. I was I really was just looking to see what he was wearing. I was like, I want to see what Billy Porter's wearing. I didn't look it up online or anything. Waited for the show, and I was like, oh boy. And then he had that like Sia type hat on where he mm-hmm. could just like it had the little fringe around the bolero style cowboy hat, and and he just like it was automated and it just. Close around or open up. I mean, it's it's a dramatic exit. It's a dramatic entrance. It's the perfect hat. I mean, I could think of a lot of scenarios I could have used that in my everyday life. 
So I was all here for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're just like, it's the new, like, putting the hand up, you know, like, talk to uh-huh. the hand. It's the new, like, closing the hat, <laughs> opening the hat. And uh, another person that we both noted was kind of oddly dressed, I guess, Diplo. Yeah. It was strange. It was kind of like, you know, the, uh, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but you know, the cultists that wear face masks? Yeah. Where you just put a sack over your head, like in Watchmen, the guys that wear sacks over uh-huh. their heads. Mm-hmm. That's literally what he was doing. It was like he found a curtain. He was like, I really like this, wait, but make wait. it fashion. Wait, are you talking about Diplo or are you talking about Orville Peck? Oh, God. I might be talking about Orville Peck. Orville You're Peck right. is, is the one who wears the- He was the, the curtain boy. Yeah, he wears the curtains from Billy Porter's hat on his face. Yeah. Diplo was also in like a, which he's like a electronic music guy, right? Yeah, he's EDM. Yeah, but he was there in a full, almost little Nas X type. You're right. You're right. I was yeah. totally thinking of the wrong person. Yeah. You know, they look kind of similar to me because you couldn't really tell who they were in those outfits. But I saw you say something about it looks like they have raided Brooks and Dunn's closet. <laughs> and when I saw it, I was immediately like, yes. They went yeah. to the Hall of Fame and said, can I borrow that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're under a neon moon for sure. Uh. Orville Peck, though, side note, if you haven't listened Orville Peck is the queer country male Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. You're that's right. What, that's what I'm putting on that and putting it out there. And if people have started to agree with me, it's that same kind of like dreamy, croony that the queers can identify with. Yeah. I like it. I'm about it. I mean, yeah, there's really all there is with it. I mean, it's it's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not like emotionally attached to any of this music or whatever, but if I, I'm not going to turn it off. I'm just. Well, I know. was never into Lana Del Rey. Like, that might be controversial. That is very controversial with me. I was just not into it. Like, I, if it was on, wouldn't turn it off. Mm-hmm. But I never would seek out Lana Del Rey music. I just didn't. It wasn't my vibe. I'm very much very grungy punk rock music. Like, I mm-hmm. love my 2008s, like, n- never, uh, Newfound Glories and Never Shout Nevers and. All mm-hmm. about Paramore. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's my thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I never was really into the slower stuff. But now that I'm becoming an adult, I know how to listen to other music, too. <laughs> well, I now feel like I, I have a, a challenge that you didn't give me, but I'm giving myself <laughs> to make you uh, a Lana Del Rey compilation of things that weren't the things that everybody was listening to that I love, and so maybe it will bring you over to the dark side. Well, I think I, I have a, a segue into that world of Haley Williams' new solo album stuff. Mm-hmm. Very, it gives me very Lana Del Rey vibes, and you know, I would support her in anything. And it's it's like a crossover of like the soft, kind of whooshy Lana Del Rey music, but also a little bit of like techno in the middle, and it's just beautiful. So I think I might be moving into that grown-up world of music. Yeah, it happens to you. It happens. You get a little, <laughs> as the years start to come on, you're like, I just want to be melancholy and just just live in this. Not angry anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sad. Just sad all the time. Yeah, that's fine. Look, I can be sad just not punching walls anymore, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, you're not taking it out on others. You just take it out on yourself now. That's fine. That's what that <laughs> okay, well, I think we covered a little bit of the, the queerness of the Grammys, and let's get to what we thought we were going to talk about this week. There was a show that when I did, I think my year, our year end recap that I brought up that you had mm-hmm. not watched yet. And it was Netflix's Unbelievable. I sent that over to you and I'm pretty sure you slammed it in really quick, right? I watched it like two days after we talked about it. 
because I had just finished one other show and I was like, I'm going to just do it. Mm-hmm. And because I was in this Tony Collette kick. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I have to do it. It's a good place when to be. I, when I jumped in, I was me- messaging you instantly that I didn't think I could do it. Like that I didn't think I could watch it. Because the content of the show, it's very hard to watch. And I was immediately in the first episode, it was unbelievable to me how much I was angry at a TV show that had just started. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how deep it gets you into it. Yeah, so for a quick recap for those who have not watched, and this will be a little bit spoilerish e, but we're not going to give away, like, exactly what happens to characters or anything. I'm just going to give you the overview because I want as many people to watch this as possible. So Unbelievable is based on a true story of two detectives, not even in the same units or the same departments, mm who are investigating um, rapes. And the show starts out by showing us a story of a young woman who is attacked in her apartment. And we see initially in that first episode that makes everyone, not just you, but everyone that I talk to, uneasy, anxious, and angry. We see in the first episode how the, the young woman is treated by the police investigators and everyone involved with supposedly trying to capture this person that broke in and and assaulted her and raped her. The show is told in flashbacks, and we don't really quite always know exactly where we're at, unless we, of course, when we see the characters, we know where we are, but but we get a lot of dealing with these two women who are police and are investigating, and we see the contrasting ways that they handle their cases and the way the young girl's case is handled by mostly men. And this isn't a man bashing thing that we're going to do here, but it very much points out a lot of the differences in the way that rape or assault, sexual assault, sexual battery cases can be handled and the way that witnesses are, you know, either not believed, they're questioned. Uh, One thing I noted in this, and and maybe you noted, was just Mm -hmm. um, like their agenda seemed to disprove prove what she was saying not hear what she was saying the agenda that they had was get this done tucked away like we don't want to deal with this anymore the the vibe that i got from this beginning of it like the beginning of the show was it was showing you exactly what every victim feels when they think about reporting it it is that (laughs) that that sinking awful feeling that you have in your head that they're going to somehow not believe you and that maybe you imagined it. That somehow you were the one that did something wrong. It is, it puts that feeling right into you and shows you what happens in those cases. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes the show so good and also so overwhelming because it is something that victims do struggle with and think about a lot if they had or hadn't reported something. Right. And, you know, you immediately messaged me and you were like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can watch this. It's really triggering. It's really um, causing me, you know, to feel uncomfortable. And I think it it, it was that way with everyone that I spoke to. It was that Mm -hmm. way with with me. And one of the first things I noticed was like I was noticing a pattern where you bring in this person and, you know, just get the statement from them. And then maybe Mm -hmm. you go back one more time just to get see if they remember anything else, because, you know, time does let you remember things differently after Mm -hmm. a shock. But I felt like, and and I'm assuming that this is coming from the research that the people did that put this together, that I felt like that 
these separate mini interviews and done over and over are only to look for inconsistencies, not to look for more detail or evidence. It was like, let's catch her in a lie. Exactly. It's to pressure you more into inconsistencies because they would rather deal with it being a false claim than the reality of it being a true claim. And that is one of the biggest like reasons that people do not report and do not ask for help because they feel like that's what's going to happen. And that was shown to us front, like front and center in this show. Yeah, I feel like someone could call the police and say something that there's like substantially no proof for whatsoever. I could call the police and say, I had $10,000 in cash in this drawer back here and someone came into my house while I was sleeping and stole it. And I have an alarm system on my home. It's not been tripped. It's not been alerted. Mm -hmm. No, not, But they would probably take that claim more seriously than they take a an assault victim's claim. That is correct. And that is what the biggest fear is. Yeah, And that's yeah. what's so terrifying about it and what made these two women detectives coming into this and actually believing the claims, helping these these women, these survivors, mm -hmm. it, that's what made it such a big deal. And to see the flip side of, oh, well, here's what your fear is of these men making you believe that none of it was real. That, like, you know, the police making you think it wasn't real. But then there's these other people that actually could believe you. This is how good it could be. This is where you feel like it's going to be. Yeah, and you could just, okay, so the first episode, well, let me back up just a little bit. When this first show was first announced, all they did was put up the synopsis, and then they gave us a picture of the two actresses playing the detectives, Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette, leaning up against a wall with, like, their <laughs> badges and their guns and their sleeves rolled up. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm your demographic. I'm in. <laughs> I don't care what this is or what's going on with it. This is tops of my list. I will keep this on my mind till this comes mm -hmm. out and, and be into it. So the first episode comes in and there's no Merritt Weaver, no Tony Collette. And I was like, hmm. I mean, they were the two people shown in the preview. Like, what's happening? Are we not going to get them? Then second episode, boom, we pop right in. And that's where you immediately, as Merritt Weaver begins to investigate, you know, in a totally different state, has no knowledge of this other case you see the way it's handled differently by a woman detective. And it's leaps and bounds differently just from the demeanor that she treats and handles the victim. And she acknowledges that she's a victim. I don't feel like that the men in the first episode ever acknowledged that, that she was a victim. The only time that I felt like they did was when the initial uh, detective guy was there, when he was first in the house... Not, you know, the main guys that ended up having her write the statements and all that. But the first initial guy was the mm -hmm. only one I felt like took her claim seriously and was trying to treat her as the victim and help. Mm -hmm. And then after it got passed on to his higher-ups, that's where it became a problem because the higher-ups didn't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. there, and I think it also has a lot to do with the difference of the police stations they were in. The, the lead detective in the place where... Uh, the main character girl's assault happened mm -hmm. i mean it was not as nice it was not as you know indulged with money it uh it seemed like a hey we want to get this job done it needs to be done now like mm -hmm. rush order done mm -hmm. then you've got like tony collette or uh what was her first name Merritt Weaver. Merritt Weaver. Couldn't mm -hmm. think of a first name. <laughs> and we, we look at their offices, and they're completely different. They're laid out differently. People mm -hmm. respect their higher-ups, which are women. Mm -hmm. And it's a very different, like, thing. So I think it kind of points out the difference between big city community, like, police stations, 
and then like on the outskirts people that can specialize in things I think that that's where the difference lies because I don't think that those detectives that in the first episode that we see necessarily wanted for it to be like, you know, them being the evil of it. I think they just needed to get their job done because there wasn't as much funding there for them. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But I also just think that we can't not see the difference between the way men would handle oh, something right, that, yes. that they cannot possibly maybe relate to, even though they... Everybody has things that happen to them that, that affect them in different ways. But when you've got the two women who aren't, you know, we're talking about them working together. They aren't initially working together. Merritt Not Weaver's character, yeah, finds connections that lead her to find Tony Collette's detective and to say, hey, I'm looking into this. And it's just a level of detail. It's a level of involvement. It's a level of understanding. Um, I don't want to say it's somebody doing their job better. It's just doing their job differently. Like, I'm going to keep at this because it's gnawing at me. It's bothering me. And I'm going to search out. There's got to be something that I can do in this case. So you, you're not super familiar with Merritt Weaver. I am not. <laughs> you are super familiar with Tony Collette, I know. But let me talk about Merritt Weaver for a second. Merritt Weaver <laughs> was in Nurse Jackie. Played Zoe, the bubbly, effervescent nurse. She ended up winning an Emmy for that. Uh, she was also on a show called Godless. Um, she's in the new movie that's up for... Oscar stuff's uh, marriage story. She was on The Walking Dead. She's the maybe I think the first episode that you and I actually talked together on mm -hmm. this podcast that got us going together. We talked about when they killed all the lesbians and that the barrier gays. Well, yes. she was one of those triggers because she was on The Walking Dead. She was the doctor. She was the only one that seemed to have any sense amongst any of those people. Yes. And they put that damn arrow through her eye. <laughs> that is where I recognized her from. And I had no idea why I recognized her like that. And then later searched, and I was like, oh, my God, she took the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> she took one for the team. Um, so I'm, I'm, she's very high on my list of most favorites. And then Tony Collette is it's just up there, too. Not as much for me as for you, but Tony Collette just is always in good, good stuff. So let's round out Unbelievable by not spoiling anything for anyone, but just say that if you like either one of these actresses, also Caitlin Dever plays that's what I was gonna say the first uh, the first victim that we see in this and you know we know her from Booksmart and uh, she's just amazing um, in this as well as playing somebody that the police almost I feel like they almost convinced her that she was imagining that she wasn't even attacked yes I that's it's also it, if you are into characters that have a lot of mental health issues as well that that find a way to make it through that that is something her character deals with immensely. That is right. why it was so important to me that she did get the help because it seemed like she had so many other things balanced against her and she plays it very well. In summation, we have two stories. We have the story of um, the young victim and how she is treated in the system and we have the story of the two detectives who are trying to solve their own cases and somehow become entwined with the old case. So I'm going to leave it at that, but I definitely want to recommend Unbelievable. It's still running on Netflix. There were awards nominations that no one won, but it had multiple award nominations at Golden Globe. So it's a very quality program. And just for sure, there's going to be issues with the first episode for mm -hmm. you. And not just pilot issues where people are like, oh, I watched the first one and I couldn't get into it. No, this one, you're going to get into it in a lot of ways, and you, but you have to stick it out if you can. You have to stick it out and get on through because second episode just takes off and flies and we watched it in uh, a day Me at too. my house. So. Me too. So let's 
I gave my Merritt Weaver um, greatest woman in the world speech, so we'll let you do the, the Tony Collette. I'm not saying she's the greatest woman in the world, and she's not, like, super high on my list. I just really like her acting. There are certain yeah. actors that I'm drawn to, and mm-hmm. I've always kind of liked her in whatever movies and shows she's in. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know her name. It wasn't like I would seek her out and things. But after I went and saw Knives Out is when I went and watched Unbelievable. Because mm-hmm. I loved her in Knives Out. Then seeing her in Unbelievable, I was then told by Tiff, have you never watched United States of Terra? And I <laughs> said, no, I don't think it's up my alley. Like, I don't think it's for me. I thought it was just your basic, like, suburban mom sitcom. Yeah. I was so wrong. I went back. I watched every episode. And Tony Collette has this range of she can play the batshit crazy, like, I need to help you find your zen woman, or she can literally look at you and murder you. Like, it's, it, there's, there's a range of characters within that woman mm-hmm. that I have not seen in a long time embodied in one person. And that is what United States Terror was for. Okay, so have you seen her? The earliest work that I know her from are her, I guess, Australian or New Zealand films like Muriel's Wedding. I've seen that, yes. Okay. So I've I've known her from way back. And let's say that United States of Terror, I believe, came out in 2009. So you got mm-hmm. on the, the, the train for United States of Terror 10 years later. So hey. good on you. Good on you. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing that again with Dollhouse. So, yeah, but you don't know. you love it? Don't you love a discovery like that where it's something that was just out there and that you yes. don't know about, and then you're like, you get into it, and it's you're just like, what have I, what have I been doing my whole life? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. There's also the issue of with the United States of Terra, spoiler to everyone, it doesn't have an end. Yeah, because it was just canceled, canceled out of the blue. Yeah, and that's, I I've said this out loud a couple of times. I think that at the end of I think it was season one. They ended it really, really well. Like, it was a good, all-inclusive, circle-like, surrounded ending that they could have just left it there. But then they launched a new story, and it didn't get finished. For If there are any other of our listeners out there who don't know what it is, give us a really quick what United States of Terra is, because we've not said anything about what it is. And it's pretty amazing that it came out at the time it did yeah. back then. It wouldn't maybe wouldn't even stand out as a as a topic for a show now but it did then it is exploring the worlds of people with multiple personalities disorder Mm -hmm. it is about a mother that is played by tony collette who lives with multiple personalities and it is triggered by stress it is triggered by random moments and once the new uh identification like the new person is there she's just there Mm-hmm. And it's about the family learning how to evolve and live with their mother, with their or with their wife for the husband, uh, as that new person. So these are the personalities I remember. Uh, we had T, who was the mm-hmm. impulsive teenager. I guess uh, was the age range like for that. Young at heart, like she's sixteen. Yeah, but she acts like she's like in her early twenties. Yeah, and Tara has a teenage daughter and son, so. <laughs> You know, having this personality around is a lot for the family. And then there's also, was it Buck? Was the Buck. Buck, who is the, for lack of a better term, like redneck. Trucker guy. Yeah, this guy. Then this show's set in like Kansas, I believe. So, Mm -hmm. like, it's the guy you'd see maybe driving an 18-wheeler at a truck stop kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And then there's a kind of 1950s-ish. Alice. 
yeah, perfect like homemaker or housewife type. Which I guess I think I remember they loved when Alice was around, right? Because they liked when Alice was around because she could cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so much for Buck or T. No, she has a husband and the two kids. So we get to see, and it, now that now that we're there talking are about mul- this, more personalities in that though. There are two. There are Gimme. Gimme is the primal, like animalistic character and then there is another one that i think that maybe i won't name because uh that's literally the whole twist of the whole second season is finding out who that is so there's one more that is just god awful well now that we're talking about this and about the family and how they're just like they just coexist with and learn how to work around and deal with the everyday sometimes multiple everyday surprises of these personalities I'm seeing a coincidence of storyline and stuff with a show that you and I both love, Atypical. Yes. It's almost like the two families dealing with transitions and changes of, you know, the autism on Atypical and the personality issues and and reoccurring and going and sinking in and out on Tara. And so then we've got one character that kind of ties it, or one actor, one actor that goes in between because Keir Gilchrist who plays, it's Sam, right, yes. on uh, Atypical, yes. is the son on United States of Terra. So that's an interesting... And he is queer in United States of Terra. Yes. So yes. there is, even in this show about dissociative identity disorder, there's also gay shit. And there's some future real-world <laughs> gay Twitter-loving gay shit in this because the daughter, much to, I'm sure, your delight when you started yep. watching, you discovered was played by Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. It was a beautiful moment, but it was also like the first time I saw her as a superhero because I don't remember if you like. Yep. I don't know if you remember about Valhalla. Yeah, I do. But <laughs> when I saw her put on that costume, I was like, "Girl, if you only knew your future!" Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's any fan fiction out there like Valhalla and Captain. I'll Marvel. write on it. I'll, I'll work right now on that. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, I, it's if anybody hasn't watched United States Era, it's three seasons. There's also another uh, kind of queer connection in there is, and I don't remember what he or who he played, but Scott Willett, he was in Faking It, the MTV show. Uh-huh. He is the the leader of the gay straight, but not so much gay straight, just gay alliance at the school. Yeah, um, and he kind of gets into a relationship with uh, the son. And yes. then we see what kind of happens within a relationship yeah. uh, for these high schoolers, like figuring out their own queerness. And also with, you know, the son having Tara for a mother and yeah. what that kind of brings into the relationship. Yeah. So, but no, he also is, he he plays a queer character as well. Yeah. And he plays queer in Faking It, which mm-hmm. is in one of those MTV, like, you know, it's not a, like a great show, but I was. talk about it. <laughs> you don't talk about it? I don't talk about it. Because it hurt me to my <laughs> core. Yeah, there was a lot of drama in that. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot. So if anybody hasn't heard of that one, if you want to be hurt to your core, go check out Faking It on MTV. <laughs> I mean, the actresses are nice. Yeah. That's all I can say. <laughs> and also then he was in um, a little movie that is like always on some sort of streaming. It's a del- delightful little thing that nobody sees called GBF, Gay Best Friend. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in that too. So there's a lot of a lot of queer uh, stuff, you know, orbiting around that show. You mentioned earlier, Knives Out. 
So yes. Knives Out was, it has Tony Collette in it. And it was one of, it is a movie that came out this past year. And we kind of just went after hearing a few people rave about it and didn't know a ton. Just knew it was like a murder mystery type clue type movie. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, let's go. You know, it's got it's so many people in it. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans, Tony Collette, Don Johnson, who else good am I really leaving out? The girl that this? played Hannah Baker in uh, 13 Reasons Why. I can't remember her name right now. Especially yeah. the K. <laughs> can't remember. It, really good ensemble cast. We went to see that and I came out of that theater going, this is the most fun I've had and most mm-hmm. enjoyable movie that I've watched in a really, really, really long time. And I know that you went, I think, after because I recommended it to you. I had been wanting to see it just because it was, I, I told Tiff it was like a crossover of Clue and Who Done It, the movie, because mm-hmm. both of them have movies and this was like a modern day retelling of that. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to see Daniel Craig with his really terrible Southern accent. It was so bad. It was yeah. my favorite part of the movie because anytime he would talk, all I could do was laugh. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a, a favorite part of mine too, but also Don Johnson, who you know, to people today probably have no idea, like young people especially, like who the hell Don Johnson is. But when I was growing up, Miami Vice was on TV and it was like one of the coolest fucking shows ever. He played a detective that <laughs> lived on a boat in Miami and, you know, it was so 80s and, you know, there's a whole fashion movement around it and everything. And plus he was married to Melanie Griffith and then their daughter is Dakota Johnson. That makes sense. It all comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot going on there, yeah. So then Dakota Johnson's grandmother is Tippy Hedren, you know, from the Hitchcock yes. from all of that stuff. So it's it's a crazy thing there. You know, and I I absolutely cannot stand Dakota Johnson in those Housewife S and M movies. Um what are 50 those? Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades movies. But then I've never I like, seen a single one. Oh man, if you just wanna like for shits and giggles someday, just like <laughs> have a few drinks or smoke a little bit of weed or something and put on something so horrible that you will just be mesmerized just run all three of those in a marathon <laughs> i can't bring myself to watch it just because knowing that the whole series is made off of a twilight fan fiction mm-hmm. i can't do it and i know the fan fiction it was made off of because i was a twilight girl back in my uh, day and mm-hmm. that one fan fiction made it circles i never liked it i never finished reading it but then a whole book series is made, and then a whole, like, S&M, like, BDSM movie. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mm-hmm. can't. That was one of those moments where you're, like, asking yourself, are the straight people okay? <laughs> For real. Well, okay, let me segue away from there, because you brought up Twilight. And then I was going to tell you this <laughs> privately, but I'll tell you this. I'll, t- I'll tell the world this. Okay. I was at the uh, the Half Price Books here the other day, going and perusing, you know. And when I went in, they have this box out front, which is the free books. Like, they just throw stuff out there, or people can dump books in there that you just come and can mm-hmm. take. It's like a free book thing. So I always, like, just glance in there before I go in. When I looked down in there, there was this big, huge, very thick, soft cover book called, like, The Illustrated History of Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... Beck would probably really like that book. She probably has it, but if she doesn't, it's here. It's free. I don't have it. Okay, so. I know what it is, but I've never read it. I've never looked at it. So I went in, did my book looking and perusing, and as I came out, I walked past that, and I stopped, and I looked over, and I looked around the parking lot to make sure no one was looking. (laughs) (laughs) And I reached in, and I got that Twilight book, and I stuffed it under my other books. (laughs) 
and put it in the car. So that's coming in the mail to you. Thank you. Thank you for your shame. (laughs) I risked all my little bit of street cred that I have (laughs) in a parking lot in the middle of town to pull the Twilight (laughs) Illustrated Companion. This big ass book where it's right on the front, old shiny vampire and oh and God. and Kristen Stewart, who I love and everything also, but Twilight, just shining right there on the cover. And I tucked it under it, shoved it in my car and drove away. I love looking at those types of things because I really need to go, what the hell was going on in those people's minds? Mm-hmm. Like, I just got to know. At this point, like, I'm past being like, it's a good series. No, it was terrible. I know that. Like, <laughs> I have a degree now. I know better. But there's something in me that just needs to know why the director was so excited to take on that project. And why Stephanie Meyer thought it was such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Especially because everyone they cast hated it so much. Mm-hmm. But they were like, I'm making good money. I'm not yeah. leaving that money behind. No. So, like, it's a fascination now. If you learn nothing from me, Beck, it's never leave a dollar for another person to take. (laughs) Do that. You're not wrong. (laughs) So uh, what else were we going to talk about this week? Did we cover most everything? Uh, We've covered most everything, but I think something we should talk about next time, it would be the end of Generation Q. Oh, yes. Did you get to... We can talk about it next time, though. Yeah. Did you watch the finale? So you're all done? Okay. I did too. And I just told Stacy yesterday because she's two episodes behind because we had that crazy week that um, two weeks ago we decided we were going to see six concerts in a week. Uh-huh. And actually we saw, I saw uh, seven and Stacy saw eight. I didn't go to one. We went to Tanya Tucker on a Sunday night. She took her mom to see Celine Dion on a Monday. I love that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we saw Brandy Carlisle at the Ryman. We had the Friday, Saturday off. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, then we were back for three more nights of Brandy Carlisle at the Ryman. I mean, it was like, it was, my sister messaged me online and said, do you, like I was posting videos and stuff. She goes, do you just live there now? Uh-huh. I, was, I was like, yeah, I think I live at the Ryman, but I'm going to need the, uh, I'm going to need the landlord to make some improvements here before I pay rent <laughs> <laughs> and sign the contract. But yeah, it was a crazy week, but I loved it. It was, you know, great shows. Um, So Stacy got behind, but I made you know, we had shows on both those Sunday nights and I just stayed up after we got home because I don't have to get up at 7 a.m. like she does. And I couldn't sense. I couldn't not watch the L words on the nights that they were on because I'm so caught up. I in get it. that. I had to wait until after it was already aired because I was also gone. I was mm. chaperoning a high school theater conference because that's who I am as a person. What <laughs> did you record any of this stuff? Uh, minimal, minimal things because, uh, there were 50, 50 high schoolers that I was in charge of with one of my friends. You gotta start recording moments like that. Girl, I've been doing that for six years. Mm-hmm. I'm good at it at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> Better person than I. I mean, if you wanted a recording, you really could have just had me record when my car died on the first night. <laughs> Literally drove six hours away and my car just decided, I don't want to work anymore. So I waited three hours for a tow truck for them to tell me, oh, I can't fix it. <laughs> no. All right. So, so yeah. So the L word generation Q, which we did part one and part two already. And you mm-hmm. can go back and listen to those in our two previous episodes to this one. Uh, we kind of gave like sort of almost, I think, I think those last three episodes are all that we haven't talked about. So we're going to come back and touch on our thoughts on overall the L word reboot, the generation Q reboot. And, what we think has been renewed so we're going to see you our know hopes what for the next season yeah 
what what we thought about this season and what we're looking forward to in the next season. Um, so we'll come back next time with that. Beck, um, my wife says that we've done better with telling people where they can find us. Like last night, she was like, she was like, hey, hey, honey. She was like, you're recording tomorrow. So one thing, a couple things. You're doing much better on telling people where your social media is at. <laughs> you're doing much better on telling people where they can find the show. But you guys need to ask for some reviews and ask people to subscribe. So I'm going to do She's doing that. better than us. Yeah, she's, well, she's actually listening now, so thank you for that, Stacey. I, I love it. <laughs> well, we got one supporting us. I mean, that's yeah. all we could ask for. Yeah. So, if you like what we're doing, if you like us, maybe, uh, if you like us together, then maybe <laughs> go and subscribe. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. We are Anchor uh, is our base for our podcast, so you can get mm -hmm. uh, go to the Anchor page for that. Um, please subscribe and also, you know, reviews really help out with our placements and with more people getting to listen. You know, it, we've gotten some reviews and since we've switched over our platform this year and uh, the reviews are up, but I would love to maybe hear some feedback or some thoughts if we're doing something that you like or that you don't like or you've got a suggestion. Also, if there's anything that you want us to talk about, because I've been batting around the idea that we should maybe once a month go back and talk about older things that we liked mm -hmm. or influence and not just current things, like things that are near and dear to us in, in the queer media or things that maybe were, you know, were bad and that we are glad we're not mm -hmm. dealing with anymore. So what would, I would love some suggestions if you've got them and we'll certainly take all those into consideration. But Beck, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find us on social media. They can find us on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook. All of that at Gay Stuff Podcast. You can find us and like our page on Facebook. That is actually just the name of our podcast. Um, they can find either one of us on any of our social medias, which mine is at Tiny Gay Cookie across everything. And yours is? Mine is at Butch and Sissy on Twitter. And I uh, also have Instagram at Butch and Sissy. And if you want to follow me personally, I've got at Connie underscore TV. And that's where you'll see my day-to-day -day stuff. And there's some gay stuff in there. There's some not stuff. There's <laughs> there's not gay stuff. Also, you can go to butchandsissy.co, which is the website and web store for my LGBTQ and uh, Pride brand products. So, all right, Beck, I think we've said enough. I think we've said it all. <laughs> for now. For now. So until next time, um, I'll see you later. Bye.